0: I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. This is an updated version compared to what aired originally at 6pm Wednesday evening, the 18th of March on RSN Carnival Digital Radio after a press conference held by AFL CEO Gil McLaughlin.
1: Good evening, everyone. On Monday, I talked about the priorities of the AFL, health and well-being, the people in our industry, role modelling for our community, and being leaders in this crisis for our country. I also talked about responsibility to preserve the industry for which so many rely on, for their livelihoods and for their lifeblood. Today's inflection point has been reached after wide consultation with the whole AFL industry and including conversations with the Australian Chief Medical Officer and representatives from government. I said on Monday that we're moving to a 17-round season. I also said we had to be agile. Tonight, our 17-round season becomes a 153-game journey. We start tomorrow night with Richmond against Carlton at the MCG. Again, we have to be agile and flexible. The games will be shortened and quarters will now be 16 minutes plus time on. The NAB AFL women's will continue this weekend, however we will forego the final two teams, two weeks of the home and away season and move straight to finals with the fixture to be announced tomorrow. We know at any time a player may test positive and halt our journey temporarily. We know that we are building resilience measures in our clubs and our squads so that over the next couple of weeks we are better prepared to deal with a positive test of one or multiple players. We start tomorrow night confident after discussions with the Chief Medical Officer that our players are well placed to bear the proportionate risk of playing a contact sport. We feel confident in our club and industry protocols, which we continue to refine based on the best advice available. We commence tomorrow night on government advice that putting on a game Sits within the newly established protocols and guidelines announced by the Prime Minister this morning. We also embark on this journey with clear instruction from the government that all industry and all parts of society need to keep moving forward, and we simply cannot stand still. We must go forward day by day, listening to the advice, and continue to make the best decisions for our industry of balancing wellbeing, welfare, leadership and economic and social impacts. We don't know how many games we will get into this 153-game journey before we have to pause. But what I do know today is I feel comfortable with the government and medical advice and the support of our presidents, CEOs, our players and our coaches. Tonight our industry is unified in making a decision to start, the reality is this season will not look like any other. As I said earlier in the week, this is an unprecedented challenge and it's going to take unprecedented action to get through it all. We've taken action in both the men's and women's seasons. 153 games will not look like a standard 17 round season, but footy is resilient and footy will find a way through. Thank you. This one on the AFLW, that when no finals fixture yet tonight. What, why is that? Given there's no five support for tomorrow morning. They're working that through with the, you know with the with the players' association with the football departments.
0: Now, normally we'd lead off our new segment with women's footy scores from the AFLW and around the world. But obviously the COVID-19 situation has just thrown everything up in the air. What we can tell you is that all the women's footy state leagues are postponed until May 3rd. Thirty-first, Of course, nationally here at Women's Australian Rules Football Radio, uh, we cover the VFLW competition, which was due to start on the 9th of May. Obviously, there it's a no-go until the end of May at the absolute earliest. Decisions are to be made throughout April and May by the footballing bodies. Also, many community competitions have been suspended until at least May 2nd. Uh, most will be gathering again in mid-April to make a decision on whether community football can start start up again. So women's footy at a state league and grassroots level in Australia has been postponed. The AFL Germany women's competition have postponed. AFL Canada has advised its clubs to stop training and playing. Over in the United States with the US AFL, they're essentially taking it on a club-by-club basis and on Thursday, their time, they're going to make some decisions about some tournaments that they've got coming up. Over in Ireland, they've cancelled the uh, AFL Ireland uh, University Cup over there. The AFL European Champions League which is due to be held in April has been cancelled and joining us on the line now uh, Troy Thompson from worldfootynews.com to discuss the biggest one of all Troy, the AFL International Cup which was due to be held around late July through to early August in Maroochydore on the Sunshine Coast Uh, the AFL have stepped in and said it has been postponed for a year
2: Yeah I guess it was inevitable Peter with everything going on around the world that uh, the AFL's made the hard call to uh, postpone it until 2021.
0: Now let's talk about why they've postponed it. If we take it in context um, with the semi-professionals of the AFL which they can probably leave to the last minute um, the professionals of course are being paid. They live here in Australia so it's not it's con- inconvenience but not that great of an inconvenience if their season isn't going ahead. For the International Cup we're talking about amateurs.
2: Very much, Peter. And you know, there's a long lead up of three years between tournaments and a lot of that time uh, is used by the footballers to fundraise uh, just to get themselves here. And they obviously have to take leave when they can't work. Uh, the flights, accommodation, are huge uh, financial imposts on amateur footballers.
0: And the one thing that we should point out is, as it sits at the moment, in the middle of the March, um, the quarantine rules have been put in place that anyone that flies into Australia has to self-isolate for 14 days. That well and truly could be over in a month or so. But as we know, there's 16 different countries and not everyone's playing by the same rules. (laughs)
2: That's right. A lot of uncertainty, and I guess that was what forced the AFL's hand in. Who knows what it's going to be when you return back to your own country? Um, Who knows what countries actually may be banned uh, coming into Australia? uh, What airlines may or may not be operating or even in existence by that stage? So just the, the total uncertainty just made it untenable.
0: And that included even the training camps leading up to this. I was uh, chatting online with Brian Barish from the USAFL, who mentioned uh, their spring camp was even in doubt, uh, which was uh, scheduled for May, depending on what uh, uh, travel um, bans might be put in place internally within the USA. Um, And I believe as well, a a number of leagues have already um, put the foot down and said they are postponed until further notice.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, as we've seen, it's happened all across Australia and now around the world. And uh, I guess everyone's just waiting to see how it all pans out. But uh, certainly there's a period of uncertainty over the next few months. And uh, this could not have the National Cup go ahead this year.
0: So it will take place in 2021, but I believe everything is up in the air in regards to dates. Even venue, it's not obviously the biggest concern at the moment, but I believe obviously everything has to be rebooked, replanned.
2: That's right. The AFL are working um, with their partners in Queensland to try and, uh, I guess, uh, rebook the the venue and make it sure it happens again uh, as planned. But that is not locked in at this stage, so it's a bit of wait and see, um, and they're hoping to advise on that very shortly.
0: Well, Troy, thank you very much for joining us here at the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. I know you'd love to be talking about all the footy that's happening around the world. We are on a hiatus, but let's hope that at least at a local level for these uh, international competitions, they can be up and running again soon. Thanks, Peter. Now at this stage of the podcast, we normally have our featured guest for this week. Unfortunately, our guest has had to postpone for the foreseeable future. Uh, we're going to keep that guest's name and their club under wraps to protect obviously their privacy. No, they don't have COVID-19 or anything as such, but to understandably, uh, that club and many other clubs are going into, I guess, lockdown on media commitments at the moment and don't want anyone talking while the coronavirus situation is going on. We hope to have uh, that guest back, uh, once the situation starts to ease, hopefully in a few weeks or maybe a matter of months, we do hope to find more guests to speak to over the coming weeks, probably more at a grassroots level, and we'll explain more about what's happening with the show at the end of uh, this week's program. So we're going to swap around the order on things, and we're going to bring forward the segment we normally have at the end, Coach Kiwi's kiss of death, thanks to this Sweet Kicks Football Academy. And even then, we're doing things a bit differently. Normally, we focus ahead of the week. Coming up in football, we look a little bit back about what happened on the previous round to give some context for the matchups of uh, the sides that will be playing uh, for the next round. But due again to the coronavirus uh, situation, we're going to spend most of it taking a look back at what happened at round six of the AFLW competition. And joining us on the line from the Sweet Kicks Football Academy is Coach Kiwi herself, Lisa Roper. Coach Kiwi, how are you? Hello,
3: hello. Nothing is normal anymore, it seems. Uh, My trip back from Melbourne was not normal, I can assure you that.
0: Out of all the things that could happen, you had your own lockdown, at least you were locked down in your truck trying to come back to Sydney.
3: I was, I was. It's not Toyota coronavirus, it's Toyota high ace virus. I um, had a breakdown by Logic and managed to find a tow truck driver also travelling to Sydney. And uh, so for the next eight hours, we have become very good friends. And he dropped me at home and very lovely chap. So, um, Miranda Karimba Toei, thank you very much for Rodney. He is a fine specimen of person for your business.
0: Now, before we talk all things AFLW, um, we should mention that obviously the uh state leagues and grassroots women's football have been uh postponed some competitions to early may some to late may of course all to be reviewed come uh, mid-april and that means uh, you've been affected as well you're a midfield coach at cullingwood in the vflw You're head coach with the fitzroy stars in the northern football Netball league so um both of your teams at the moment uh on ice yes very much on ice so
3: Our AFL season, we were uh, VFL season was supposed to start uh, May 9th for everyone else, but May 16th for us because we were having a buy the first round. So all the VFLs been pushed to May 31st, and for Fitzroy Stars that was going to be April 16th, which current situation has been pushed to May 2nd. So uh, yeah, so we can't train, we can't gather, we can't um, do anything currently, which is sort of partly why I thought I'd pop back home and see family while I had some a few days with uh, just twiddling my thumbs.
0: So what we can do is look what's happened so far I guess and that was another round of AFL women's football it was round six played over the weekend I'm going to focus on first the only game which had some type of crowd in attendance, and you went along to it at GMHBA Stadium, uh, Geelong three two twenty went down to North Melbourne ten six sixty six. First of all, what was the atmosphere and crowd like for what was going to be the last attended AFLW game for 2020?
3: Yeah, it was. Um, it was a bit surreal actually, because obviously it's a gorgeous field. And um, they would expect a big crowd. I think the weather perhaps turned a few away. Um, we didn't go down thinking we were going to be history makers, which I've now been told we were history makers, being the last ones able to watch. Um, but, yeah, we, we travelled by the V-line down, got a good seat because I was worried about holding, holding on um, a hard surface. But, um, you know, it was all right. There was a little bit of a buzz in the air felt a little bit like North Melbourne's home game, only because they had the banner. They still had a bit of a cheer squad and they had a large number of supporters, whereas Geelong were in the away uniform, but Geelong only ran out to, I think it was about half a dozen people formed a Guard of Honour. So no banner. um, And that half a dozen tried to make some noise. But um, yeah, it was just, it was a little bit bizarre having so few in the crowd. But there was a little bit of a buzz throughout and I guess it was quite a good game. So people were still, you know, cheering and ooing and aahing. But best thing, you no know, queues at the toilet or at the bar.
0: <laughs> well, uh, it's one way to, I guess, drown your sorrows, particularly if you're a Geelong supporter, because the side was up by five points at half time until they were held scoreless for the second half, and North Melbourne piled on eight goals, three, including Jassie Garner with three goals. Absolutely huge in that performance.
3: Yes, yeah, she was. And, you know, Geelong really looked organised in that first, especially the first quarter. Their back line, they were man on man, or woman on woman marking up, and they had a plus one, and they were really hard to penetrate that kind of defence. And I think the patience that North have and their skill level, they just kept possession and kept toiling away and toiling away. And, you know, Geelong, credit to them, they started the game with a hiss and a roar and banged in those first three goals. And you did think, you know, what's going to happen here? But the quality that North have and their speed on attack is is just something to, you know, to admire, really. And, and they did, they just started that attack and they started to bring in the goals. And it was really sad to see Nina go down and, um, you know, and, and even to see the effects on Malviki. You just felt for them. Um, and that's actually when the crowd went silent. So even though it wasn't a big crowd, we actually all went silent because I guess nobody wants to see anyone do an ACL and especially one who's just come back from doing an ACL. And, um, and then when you see a captain, Visibly upset, you know. You know that they're just connected in a special way, and um, and you know, Mel quickly got round his team and you know tried to pull them together and get them to lift and carry on. But by by then, North had already started their run and North had already started to find those gaps in the defence line. And um, you know, and Garner was you know fantastic. Bruton was solid. Um, Vivian, sad, even though she's not a tall ruck, Gee, where she did a really awesome job in, in that midfield for them. Um, but you know, with her head out against an experienced ruck like Asta. So, um, yeah, I thought North did a really, really good job in that game.
0: Let's take a look at the second game played for the round. It was up at uh, Kiki Park in uh, Queensland. Uh, Brisbane 2-2-14 going down to Collingwood 5-13-43. So an inaccurate uh, Collingwood, but they uh, dominated from go to woe. Um, Sharni Layton breaking a finger in that game. Uh, Keep with an ankle Um, Better players out of that game. Benici for uh, Collingwood getting it out of the middle along with Chiocci and Davey. Darcy, Lambert, Livingston all coming to the fore. Uh, The best for the uh, Lions, Lug, Conway, Spark, and uh, Davidson. Uh, Again, Brisbane would have to be disappointed with that. Um, They were chugging along nicely this season. They've allowed uh, Collingwood to uh, now state a serious case to get into the finals if, of course, finals happen
3: yeah it um, and and probably for brisbane, you know they they had a tough game last week as well, and so they probably really needed to get back on their winning uh, cycle because you know Frio took it to them last week and and you know it just looked like Collingwood always going to be a tough opponent, and um you know I think they did a really good job on Jamie Lambert, but the challenge is when you look after one, there's a whole bunch of others that get to step up step up, and I think that's what we saw in um, Chocchi and Benici and, you know, even Bree Davies had, had a really good run in with the ball. So um, I think that's the threat that Collingwood have is, is you know, and North are a bit the same too. Is It's just so many stars around the field that can um, make good use of the football and really drive that team going forward. So um, it was a good match to watch um, and great to see still some fans committed enough to sit in the tree or, or um, behind the fence and um, the young girl whose parents were there, who debuted, it was nice to see that they still made the trip to cheer her on, even if it was behind the big um, cyclone fencing, but um, but yeah, good game and good weather, I think, um, apart from all the misses for Collingwood, it was good to see some quality football without you know being so affected by the rain or wind is uh, what we've had a lot of so far.
0: Let's turn our attention to the St. Kilda versus Richmond game at RSEA Park, otherwise known as Moorabbin. St. Kilda, 6 6 defeating the Tigers, just the three behinds, the lowest score ever recorded, in the AFLW, although uh, it was nearly at risk of being beaten by the West Coast Eagles, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. The G train, Caitlin Greiser with three goals. Sheila, Zenos, and Guttridge getting on the scoreboard. Griser named amongst the best players. Great to see Rosie Dillon uh, doing well, formerly out of uh, Hawthorne VFLW program. The best for Richmond, Conti, Campbell, Monaghan, and Ross. Uh, Brennan didn't play that game due to concussion. She's actually been ruled out for the rest of uh, what would be the standard AFLW season with. Uh, concussion. Mon Conti, there's the photo or image of her um, essentially um, shedding a tear as she walked off the ground after that game. Is it uh, tears of regret for making the move to the Bulldogs, the Tigers, who have, uh, yes, they've had their injury woes, but they've seemed to have been a shambles to start this, uh, the start their term in the AFLW. Yeah, that's a tough
3: way to read into it, but, you know, I know a lot of people are. Um, I thought she was outstanding, you know, and she has been really good, you know, most of their games, really. She just needs a few around her to read her um, or continue working with her to take that ball forward. Um, I'd love to know what a GPS is saying because she just seems to cover a lot more ground than probably what we've seen from midfielders as well. She's very fast, but up and back and very composed of the football. Um, certainly, Richmond will be happy with with um, whatever money they spent on it, because I think she's an ace player. Um, but sometimes when you give your all and your adrenaline is up and you know your season is running short and you just want to put everything out there, um, sometimes you do get visibly upset if you do not get that win. And, um, you know, maybe it's starting to take that toll that, you know, their season is closing out and they've got less and less chance of um, getting their an overall win. So... Um, it could have been a little bit of that, a little bit of exhaustion. Um, who knows? You might have got a kick in the shin. That also makes you cry. Um, but yeah, Richmond uh, really struggling, really struggling to pull it together as a team unit. Um, you know, they they get you know they're getting they're getting some use of the ball. They're just not making really good use. And I thought St Kilda did really well as a team. You know, they've got McCarthy out. They've got some good players missing. But collectively, others are stepping up. And that's probably something we expected from Peter Seal's coaching is not to have particular stars, but just to make them all play um, as a champion side. And, and I love the way they're playing. And, you know, it's great to see the big guys like kicking such big ball into the forward line and, um, and goals. And, you know, they are exciting to watch. I wanted to go to that game, obviously. I'm sure thousands did. But um, such is life. But uh, it's on run, so you can just
0: keep tuning into the app. A game that was held in Alice Springs, which uh, the Indigenous people would have loved to have got along to and watch. But, of course, due to the lockdown, no-one was able to attend. uh, Melbourne, 3-6-24, going down to Carlton, 6-4-40. A disappointing loss for the Demons. It it always seems to be every year when the Demons look like they're the form side and flying along. They just dropped the odd game, and it comes back to bite them. Of course, dropping the game against St Kilda, now dropping the game here against uh, Carlton. Melbourne, the side that, that seems to blow its chances. Yeah,
3: and, you know, last week we talked about this game, and I said I took Carlton because I don't think Melbourne go well at Alice Springs. And, um, and yes, again, they went there and, uh, you know, just didn't stand up like Carlton did. Uh, Sadly, there was another ACL amongst them, uh, which I think takes Melbourne's tally to five this season, which is really heartbreaking um, just for that club, especially if you're a supporter of the Demons alone. Um, But yeah, um, it looked like it was good weather. Um, I know there's a couple of fans in Alice who are looking forward to going to the game and have been waiting for this game, but it wasn't to be. And again, there were people in their cars and beating horns and hiding behind the fences and yelling out, which was pretty pretty good to see some committed fans up that way.
0: The better players out of that game, Prasparkas for Carlton, red-hot favourite for the... Uh, uh, red-hot favourite, I reckon... For Carlton's best and fairest back to back, and maybe a smokey for the league best and fairest. Nat playing Dalton, McAvoy, Harrison, Lalofi, best for Melbourne, uh, Paxman, Hoare, Gay, Sheriff, O'Day, and Pierce. Lampard uh, left knee injury out of that game. Goldrick also doing a uh, leg injury. So more injury woes at the uh, Melbourne Football Club uh, like they didn't have enough already to be worried about. Uh, the Western Bulldogs and Fremantle met at VU Witten Oval in the highest scoring uh, uh, AFLW game and what a cracker it was Fremantle coming back to win 10-6-66 against the Bulldogs 8-3-51 just when it seemed that the Bulldogs were going to be on the verge of an upset they they couldn't quite hold on. For the goals for the Doggies, Blackburn and McLeod too, Munyed, McCarthy, Berry and Marshall. Uh, Goals for Fremantle, three for Sharp, two for Clifford, uh, Antonio, Miller, Pugh, Ebony, Antonio and Flood. Huntington named amongst the best for the Western Bulldogs along with Blackburn and McCarthy. Bowers, Ebony, Antonio and Gooch named amongst the best for Fremantle. Um, What an absolute ripping game it was and it was just (laughs) disappointing again because of a lockout no crowd was there to see. An absolute corker.
3: Yeah, and it was um, a beautiful sunny afternoon in Melbourne, which is very rare as well. <laughs> but, uh, it you know it was a cracking match. It was interesting that Freya would rest Roxy Ruth after only five rounds. So, uh, you know she's been pretty key for them, but it, you know it just let the others stand up. I think and um, Bulldogs probably you know we started to see some things in that game that we thought they could do. And round one they showed some really good football and some really good structure and, and, you know, linked up really well. And we haven't seen that since then. So it was good that they started to put that together. And, um, you know, and even, you know, with Danny Marshall, her height, making some use of that and that forward line too. And, um, and then the young players, um, Giorgio Stassus, Giorgio Stassus and, um, and LaGoya, like these youngsters, how exciting are they to watch too? But, um, yeah, it, it, it was tense because up, even up to this game, I have tipped correctly so far and I thought um, Bulldogs were going to get me. But I think credit to Frio, to come back like that, I think just shows that we're seeing a different Frio team they've learned from last year and they're able to come back from behind and they're able to still get the job done and um, and play some good, clean footy. And um, and so I did tip this one correct
0: like you mentioned up until that point you tipped correctly so far and then the unforgivable mistake you went against your own side you tipped Adelaide to beat GWS and in Adelaide the Giants won 4-2-26 to 3-3-21 goals for the Crows well by a Former Giants player, Gum with two and Ratchage. Um The Greater Western Sydney, Staunton kick two, Hicks and Tully getting on the scoreboard. Uh, best for Adelaide, Hatchard, Maranoff, Phillips and Gum. Best for GWS, Parker, Beeson, Mackerel and Tully. Great to see Tate Mackerel named amongst the best.
3: Yes. <laughs> you know, last week, I don't know if you play this back, you would hear me say, I didn't know Adelaide Giants. Adelaide Giants, maybe Giants, maybe Adelaide, maybe... And I went Adelaide. All through the game, I thought I had tipped Giants. So I was still cheering Giants on to keep my um, correctly tipped record for the week. And when I then the next day checked that I'd actually tipped Adelaide, I was not impressed with myself.
0: So let's take a look at the final game of the round, West Coast versus Gold Coast. 1-2-8, 1-2-8, the West Coast Eagles. Gold Coast, 5 3 The Suns taking home the victory. Howworth, four goals for the Gold Coast Suns. Tiki also kicked a goal. Essendon uh, VFLW player Hayley Bullers kicking West Coast's only goal. Best players for West Coast, Hooker Smith, Cameron Swanson. Best players for Gold Coast, Howworth, Hampson, Stanton and Sermon uh, a left knee injury to Grace Kelly of the Eagles a nose yes for Kate Sermon um (laughs) for for West Coast they were minutes away from having the worst score in AFLW history beating Richmond's record that wasn't set all that long ago
3: gosh I know right they I mean they tried really hard in that game as everyone tried but um they always looked like they were going to score throughout. And for some reason, obviously, Gold Coast defence, they just couldn't. Um, and yeah, it was kind of yeah, tense for any West Coast supporters towards the end of that game that they were sitting on those two points. But um, exciting to see Hayley Bullers kick a goal at this level as well. Um, Gold Coast, I just, you know, I thought they just played some really good footy for, you know, we talk about these new teams still to find their feet. I think. Gold Coast has proven you can come into the competition. You can find your feet. And they've got a good mix of experienced players and new players. And, you know, the footy they're playing is really exciting. I really like um, Lauren Baller in the rough. I think she's quite exciting. She wins so many headouts, which gives them the opportunity that first use football at the contest. And, and that's really important for them. And, you know, they, then they've got the solid defenders, you know, with experience, like Leah Castler who actually – I saw go forward a few times during the game as well. So they're obviously able to mix it up and send that, you know, experienced player forward and have faith in the other players in the back line too. So, um, yeah, I, I love the way that Gold Coast are playing.
0: Now, as of 8 p.m. Wednesday evening, the 18th of March, 2020, we haven't got Coach Kiwi's tips for the coming weekend because we don't know essentially what is going on. There is going to be an AFLW final series. As they said, on Thursday, the 19th of March, they'll confirm what that fixture looks like, who will be participating in it, and obviously the dates it will be played. Once we know more information on that, we'll tweet out via our Twitter account at WARF Radio, Coach Kiwi's tips for the finals. But, again, everything is very fluid at the moment with the AFLW competition.
3: Been playing for a while. Sweet kicks. Because footy makes you smile. Sweet kicks football. If you're getting ready for the trials. Got to go the extra mile. Sweet Kicks Football Not always hearing that sweet sound when you kick the ball? Need to develop your footwork or explosive speed? Want to take the next step in your footy career? Then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website sweetkicksfootballacademy.com.au Gotta go the extra mile Sweet Kicks Football
0: You're listening to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival via the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. Before we take a look back at the latest round of Sanford Women's Football, let's quickly take a look at uh, some news out of the AFLW, not to do with the coronavirus situation, but the match review officer and, of course, the NAV AFLW Rising Star nominees for the week. Uh, Five charges were laid by the MRO. They include... Connor of the Geelong Cats, she was charged with striking Vivian Sard of North Melbourne. Uh, she has accepted a $700 fine with an early plea. Uh, Emily Bates of the Brisbane Lions was charged with rough conduct against Lauren Butler of Collingwood. She accepted a $400 fine with an early plea. Uh, Madison Presparkas of Carlton was charged with rough conduct against Alicia Newman of Melbourne. She accepted a reprimand with an early plea. Sabrina Duffy of Fremantle has been charged with striking Kim Rennie of the Western bulldogs she accepted a reprimand with an early plea and amy schmidt of the gws giants was charged with striking angela foley of the adelaide crows she accepted a reprimand with an early plea the two nab aflw rising star nominations for this week include western bulldogs defender isabel huntington and gws giants midfielder tate mackerel So for now, we've had the final round of the Sandfall Women's Competition for 2020 until at least the end of May. For what we can see, round four was played over the weekend. And to join us on the line for the Two Crows podcast, it's Alison Schiller. Ali, how are you? Uh, I am
3: actually fabulous,
4: although the season is more up in the air than an acrobat, Peter.
0: Absolutely. The Sanford Women's Competition have put out a press release, which goes along with the AFL's press release. The Sanford W is postponed until May 31st or unless further review comes along.
4: Correct. Correct wait. Essentially, but it, it needs to be done in this times There's unusual times called for unusual measures.
0: So all we can do is look back about what happened in round four before the season came to a grinding halt. And ironically the round kicked off on Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> let's look at yes, that first
3: yes, game. <laughs> yes,
0: let's let's have a look at that first game. Uh, Woodville West Torrent, uh seven three forty five, defeated the Bays, Glenelg, three two twenty. Yeah, a magnificent twenty five
4: point win to the Eagles. And well, 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 as I mentioned the last time we spoke, if Gould was gone, so were the Tigers. The Eagles finally getting their first win of the season for Tess Baxter and her crew. For bringing the goal down at halftime, kicking 5-1 in the second half, all while keeping the Tigers scoreless for the same period. Giana Lee was in action in front of the big six, as was Nicole Colley in the second half. Tess Cone was the shining light for the Bayles. The goals there for the Eagles. Colley 3, Lee 3 and Walker 1. Glenelg, Althouse 1, Kenny and Speechley with singles. For the team stats there, just having a look for the Eagles, we've got the tackles. They led 99 to 78. They led the way in scoring accuracy, hit outs, and pre help there by Ree Metcalf with a good flogging of 43 to 28. Also led the inside 50s and the rebound 50s. For Glenelg, they actually did quite well here. Disposals, kicks, handballs, marks, and clearances 30 to 24. They just couldn't get it done. The best for the Eagles, Metcalf. Zekovic, Lee, Colley and Forby, Fugleneld, Cone, Armitage and Moon. This win and the fact that the Eagles had several close losses has actually propelled them not only off the bottom of the ladder but also up into sixth place. The Tigers, on the other hand, fall unceremoniously to seventh. But it wasn't all the bad news for the Tigers with Tess Cohn taking out the round four SNFL W Powerade Breakthrough Player Award for round four.
0: Let's look to the Central District versus Sturt match. The Bulldogs, 2-3-15, went down to the Double Blues, 4-2-26.
4: Yes, now that's two on the trot for young Sturt. They're sending them into unfamiliar territory there, Peter. The top four. They won by 11 points, and Georgia Bevan helped Sturt with a fast start, along with the team kicking a three in a row, while the Bulldogs had to wait for Caitlin Rosenzweig to make an appearance to get it through the big six before half time. And yet another one in the final being their only goal kicker. Luckily, Sturt got the job done as they got the job done early, as they were scoreless in the final quarter. Crowell had another great game with 23 disposals, three tackles, ten clearances, and a goal. Bevan, as usual, put in a great effort. The tackle effort, 85 to the Bulldogs, was notable, but couldn't convert their inside 50s, which they had more of. Smith and and Rosenzweig worked hard. The goals there for Centrals: Rosenzweig with the two, singles for Sturt, all for Bevan first. Prouse and Swan. Same stats for centrals: it tackles, eighty-five to fifty five, as I mentioned before. Inside fifties, twenty-three to sixteen. <sighs> Probably a lot left rolling there for centrals. Disposals, kicks, and handballs. The sturt disposal efficiency, marks, scoring accuracy of sixty seven percent versus forty percent, hit outs, clearances, and rebound fifties to top them off nicely. The best for centrals, Rosen Twice Smith, Butler and Bruges. Sturt, Proud, Bourbon, Baltes, Kuyper and Dawes. With Eagles' first win, it relegated the Bulldogs to last foot on the ladder, while Sturt became a mover and a shaker.
0: There were two games on the Saturday and they were both squeakers. We begin with the first game. Uh, West Adelaide, 3-5-23. Drew with Norwood, 3-5-23.
4: Yeah, get your coloured pencils out, Peter, because it is a draw indeed. The Bloods had victory in their sights, but unfortunately for them, Norwood didn't get the memo and mounted a comeback to finish the game on a level pegging. Goals to Gould from a loose ball and the Hiscock from a free 15 metres out got the scores level and Killian from Westies did her best to charge through, but Norwood eventually held them at bay. West will be bitterly disappointed as they led the whole day. Killian and Martin Newman did their best to keep it that way, but alas, it wasn't meant to be. The goals for West were L's good 2, Colhane 1, for Norwood, Breed won, Gould won, and Hiscock won. Team stats for West: disposals, kicks, handballs, and tackles sixty nine to fifty eight. Inside fifties was where I think the opportunity was missed. They led the way there, thirty to twenty. For Norwood, contested marks eleven to five, kickouts twenty three to eleven, clearances and rebound fifties twenty seven to sixteen. The best for the West: Martin, Newman, Killian, and Corhane. For Norwood, Xander had a fantastic game with twenty three disposals, seven tackles, three clearances. Three inside 50, and also their ruck there, Leah Cutting, the champion as always. 50 exposures, six tackles, 22 head outs, two clearances, four inside 50s, and a rebound 50 to boot. Honouring mentions there to Armistead and Halfpenny. Weston in third, while the Red Legs are still in
0: And for the last game of the round and the foreseeable future, South Adelaide 3 3 21 were defeated by North Adelaide 4 1 25.
4: Yeah, four point margin there, Peter. So was it the grand final preview, or was it actually the grand final? Well, another point, after having a look at the contentious goal um, that gave the Roosters the win, I think the Roosters might be a little bit lucky there was no score review facility available, which is incredibly unlucky for the Panthers, who led all but the last eight minutes of the game. The Master and the Apprentice look set for fantastic future battles. Nicole Campbell and Jess Kirk, each hit the scoreboard for South, with Crosby and St. Campbell standing out from the competition. Ex-South player Christy Harvey was providing intercept marking, which kept North in the game. Ewing's unfortunately sustained an injury, but did manage to kick a goal prior to this occurring. Borsi and Daniel had plenty of it for the Roosters. Hope showed a clean pair of heels for North. Campbell and Cavoris played well, and Courtney Barry had a fantastic game with a team high at 23 disposals. The goals for the Panthers there, Kurt kicking along nicely with two. Campbell with one, the North, Baltrop two, Castle one, Ewing one. The team stats, the Panthers and the Roosters, are not surprising, we were pretty even. Panthers took the chocolates with tackles, clearances and inside 50s. And this is probably what will hurt them the most, 31 to 16. But again, the scoring accuracy is what let them down, which Roosters led the way there, 80 to 50%. And Roosters also took out marks of 40 to twenty-six. Rebound 50s at 26 to 12. They're all in a telling story for them. The best for the Panthers, Barry, Campbell, Kavoris Tahu and Charlton. For the Roosters, Harvey, Daniel, Gorsi, Pope and an honorary mention there to Ash Woodland. There could be only one and the Roosters remain on top of the perch while South sits comfortably in second, Peter, which was a fabulous battle but unfortunately possibly a little bit marred by that contentious goal.
0: Well, Ali, thank you very much for looking back at round four of the Sanford women's competition and the Sanford women's competition to date. As we said, uh, your tips are on pause because we don't know when the competition is going to start again, if it starts and in what uh, shape it will take. All that we can say is we wish you and your family, of course, um, all the safety and all the best wishes uh, as we go through this situation over the coming weeks and possibly months. And may your toilet rolls be plentiful.
4: <laughs> Keep a clean pair of hips and you'll be just fine, Beta.
5: We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice, literacy is opportunity, literacy is dreaming big, literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital.
0: Donate now at alnf.org. And welcome back to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast here on RSN Carnival. Our final segment for this week. We take a look back at the Queensland Australian Football League women's competition. Round three, for now, was played over the weekend. And joining us on the line from AFL Queensland is Ant Wingard. Ant, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Peter. Great to have you on the line. Now, as we go through the results for round three, we should clarify out of the four matches, one was not played.
5: Yeah, that's right. Um, Obviously, Wilson Grange were meant to host Bond University at Hickey Park as a a curtain closer to the AFLW game there um, on Saturday afternoon. But obviously, with the um, kind of lockout laws that are in place now with the, you know, no crowds, that kind of thing, that game... um, you know, was officially, you know, meant to postpone. So um, just the three games this weekend, but some some pretty good football regardless, I think.
0: Well, let's start off with the closest result. Uh, door 2-5-17, defeating the UQ Red Lions 2-1-13. It's safe to say I believe this is the best start to a season for door in the top flight.
5: Yeah, it, it certainly is. And they're off to an absolute flyer. And it was a very, very close game. And um, when I watched the game back, I was, Like, I I didn't really know how UQ didn't win, to be honest. You know, they hit the pose from about, um, you know, from the top of the goal square, and then another opportunity just to, you know, soccer through another goal on the goal line. Um, That went a bit astray as well. So, two relatively easy chances um, were missed for the Red Lions, but obviously that favoured Maruchador Um, in what was kind of a a, a different contest the first quarter was quite open and then the middle two periods, it was very, very rainy. Um, Even though looking on the radar, I don't think, you know, we were expected to get much rain Um, and then opened up a bit in the last quarter too. So that probably tells a bit um, into the, into the um, final score line with just two goals apiece. But, um, you know, Rachel crack and and Chloe Gregory, they got on the scoreboard again for Maritza to, to give them the upper hand. And, um, you know, it was just a solid win. Both teams really had to grind, but um, like I said, UQ were, were quite ineffective in their opportunities, probably should have won, uh, but now Marooch you know, get the four points and they're sitting 3-0 and, um, you know, no one really knows what's happening now, but they have to up uh,
0: with their start to the season. The Kings got the biggest win of the round, 11-11-77, uh, defeating the Apsley Hornets 3-3-21. Yeah, the,
5: the Kings finally got their first win of the
0: season, um, obviously winning the flag last year. and A
5: lot has changed uh, since that game, but, um, you know, their performance is really, really good. Um, you know, even the first goal of the game, Tory grows little, uh, intercept mark, right, kind of on the boundary, 50 metres, runs a full measure and then, you know, check sides it from the boundary. It's pretty indicative um, of what, um was to come and um you know michael hewitt's got a few troops back obviously we just mentioned Groves little and mckenzie returned and she kicked three goals after missing uh last week's loss and um you know the forward line i think is a real strong point for them even considering like that area of the ground has undergone considerable change from their grand final winning team um you know emma mckenzie kicked the three she normally plays in the ruck but for the likes of Talia Hickey and um, Hannah Hillman, who wasn't there on the weekend, but has been kind of uh, leading that rock stock uh, for the Kings. Obviously, in there, Mackenzie's had to play forward. Um, Kelsey Crosby kicked another two, and um, you know those two names are, are sitting atop the the league goal kicking. So it's it's quite an unorthodox forward setup, but um, you know it, it seems to be working so far. And you know they're going to be extremely happy to, to get their first win on the board after you know getting some troops back. Uh, you know, kind of staggeringly so far.
0: And Nicole Graves has got the bluebirds humming. Coolingata uh, Tweed seven nine fifty one defeating Yoronga South Brisbane five two thirty two.
5: Yeah, this one was quite surprising. I thought. I thought, you know, just watching games over the first two weeks, I definitely thought Yoronga um, were really probably the best side in the competition. So, um, you know, it's a great performance for coolingata to get the win there, and um, obviously, you know. They and, and now Marichita are the only remaining undefeated teams. And like you said, Nicole Graves has got them playing some really, really great footy. And I just want to touch on some, some plays that have kind of helped transform the Bluebirds so far. Um, a young girl, Ebony Peterson, uh, she plays in the midfield and she just gets the ball and, and moves it forward, runs a full measure. And she did that about uh, you know half a dozen times against the Devils. And I really think that went a long way. Um, you know, into the Bluebirds getting the win because, you know, their midfield really, really worked on top, and which is quite surprising because um, I know I said last week, Yeronga probably have the strongest midfield in the comp and, you know, obviously Gabby Collingwood missed the game, she's injured, but they gained back Zane Cheddar, uh, Maddy Goodwin still there, uh, Sarah Duncan, so they were really, really strong but that was really where um, Kulangata kind of willed themselves ahead and um, they played really fast 40, uh, footy and that allowed you know, the likes of Alani, Eddie, and Uma Brennan to, um, you know, capitalize in the forward 50 and, and jag some goals and, you know, they ran away in the last quarter and,
0: and what? So that means the ladder looks like this after three rounds and it's, it's strange to say after three rounds because the season started earlier than it normally does and at the moment is pausing. Uh, so Maroochydore three and zip, Gatta three and zip. They're two undefeated sides then followed by Yoronga South Brisbane on two and one then Bond, Cooparoo, Wilson Grange UQ Red Lions and the Apsley Hornets. It's a bit strange to say isn't it Ant because in years gone by the season wouldn't have even started yet like VFL, W AFL, Sydney etc. So I guess on one bright side, so we have managed to get at least some games in.
5: Yeah, that's true, and and I think you know, considering it had started early, it was probably harder for you know the powers that be to make a decision for those competitions as well. And obviously, a yeah, blanket rules um, come in, but you know, at least the girls have had some kind of uh, match fitness, especially those um, you know Jade Ellinger at Cooper Roo who's played all the games so far, who's, you know, trying to get into that AFLW side, um, you know, to have, you know, three games and obviously two for Grange and, and Bon Uni, you know, it's, it's, it's pleasing. And I really think the the early start to the season, um, even considering everything that's gone on, has been quite a success so far, um, you know, especially I just mentioned that AFLW links, but um, it really provides that next kind of tier without so many AFLW players in the competition, that next year to step up and, and really make a name for themselves. And there's been so many of those stories um, over the first three weeks of the season.
0: Well, Anne, thank you very much for joining us here at the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. We obviously can't take your tips for the next round because we don't know when that's going to be. We hope to speak to you within weeks, not months, depending on how this uh, situation uh, unfolds. Until then, stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, best of luck in the modern war zone called supermarket shopping. (laughs) Thanks so much, Peter. Take care. And that concludes our updated version of the Women's Australian Rules football podcast for this week. This is Season 6, Episode 11. We'll be back with another program on RSN Carnival Digital Radio in Melbourne by the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au, 6pm Wednesday evening. That's Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. There is a possibility our show could merge and uh, have input from the Coat Hanger Radio Show out of Sydney's 2SER who at the moment cannot use their studios uh, due to a lockdown with the coronavirus. Uh, it may also happen at 3 R in Melbourne. And in that case, we've also put out the offer to the Kick Like a Girl radio show to join us in a type of merged program incorporating all their hosts and segment. You'll obviously hear a program in what format, we quite don't know yet, as everything's very fluid with what's happening in the women's footy world and in the world in general due to the COVID-19 situation. But we will be on air Wednesday evening, 6pm next week, and available via all your favourite podcast platforms. Until then, I'm Peter Holden, and it's bye for now.